want you to turn this morning to the book of John, John chapter 5. Thank God for his blessings on us today. Thank God for the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to preach to you this morning. And uh, the, the gospel here out of the book of John, I'm thankful for the truth. I'm thankful that we're not, uh, we're not wandering around in the darkness uh, like so many are in this world. I'm thankful that uh, we have the truth as contained in the word of God. Uh, God did not leave us without a witness. And I'm thankful that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. John chapter 5. Uh, if you find it, stand with me if you're able. John chapter 5. I do appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to be here. Looking forward to a great week. Thank you for the uh, accommodations as far as a place to park our rigs. And somebody asked me about the bus. They said, what happened to the bus? We still have the bus. It's just getting worked on this week. Uh, and so we don't have it here with us, but uh, we are thankful for the big green bus, amen, and uh, thankful for these provisions the Lord has allowed us to have in its place this week. But I would, uh, I know I, I made mention uh, about not missing the next night, not missing the next night, and I kind of said it tongue-in-cheek, but listen, do all that you can to be here this week. Do all that you can. I, I'll guarantee you that uh, what's, what's going to happen in this place is more important than anything else you'll hear this week. I know there's, there's issues all over the world. There's emergencies all over the world. We're praying for the people of Afghanistan, amen, uh, including missionaries and, and Americans that are over there. We're praying for them. But let me tell you, the best thing you can do for them or for anyone else is to get yourself under the sound of God's word this week. Uh, because it'll help us, amen? And uh, this world needs Jesus, and it needs Christians who are real, and we need the book, amen? We need the book. Uh, John chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse number 1. I'll read aloud, and you follow along uh, in your Bible. John 5, verse 1, the Bible says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been, uh, been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir... I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately, immediately, the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. 
I want to preach to you from this text three words of the gospel. Three words in this text uh, pertaining to the gospel. And let's pray and ask the Lord uh, to help us as we look into his word together. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. And Lord, we understand this morning that there's nothing in our flesh that can help us in our walk with you or in, uh, in, in salvation or in revival or anything else that we stand in need of, God. We know that we need a divine moving of the Lord upon us this morning and throughout this week. And so, God, we're asking, Lord, we're praying, we're begging of you, Lord, that you would come down and be pleased to dwell among us, to work in our hearts, to, to uh, change us by your grace and by your truth. Lord, our, our burden this morning is there may be someone here today who is unsaved. And, Lord, maybe they're, they're in church, but they're not in Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today. And help them, Lord, to see their lost condition. And, Lord, that they would uh, trust Christ to be born again today. Father, I pray also for us, the saved, those of us who have already passed that way in our lives. We've trusted you as Savior. We've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. Help us, dear God, to believe once again in the sufficiency of the gospel. Help us to believe in our calling to preach and proclaim the gospel wherever we are. God, give us a burden for souls again. Father, I pray, Lord, I know that there are people in this building today, they've got lost family members, they've got lost co-workers, they've got lost neighbors. Lord, they need Jesus more than they need anything else. They need Jesus. God, may we get a burden once again to see souls saved. Father, I pray that you would do all things to bring glory to your Son. And Lord, may we not hinder his work today. May we make sure that our hearts are in tune with you so that we might hear from heaven. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Here in John chapter 5, there's a somewhat familiar passage, one of the miracles of Christ. And, and I love looking at the life of Christ and seeing uh, his work. Uh, you know, the, the, the Bible uh, makes it clear that he went about doing good. Amen? Jesus went about doing good. And uh, what, a, what a model, what an example for us. We ought to be going about doing good. And uh, Jesus made a difference in people's lives. Here this man in John chapter 5, we, we're introduced to a man uh, that uh, the Bible says had an infirmity 38 years. And uh, the Bible tells us a very unusual thing that God was doing in those days. And the Bible describes him lying at the side of what is called the, this pool that is called Bethesda. Now this pool, had the Bible says it had five porches. And, and if you look at it, if you look it up and you study uh, how it was laid out, there were, there were porches all around the four uh, sides of the pool and then Right down the middle, there was a porch as well. Bethesda actually was two pools that ran together, and, uh, and there was a porch in the middle. There's a porch all around the outside. And the Bible says that what was taking place here is uh, there was, there's a great number of people around this pool because at a certain season, an angel would come down and stir the waters of the pool, and the first one who could get in 
to that pool after the angel stirred the waters was healed. Now, this is a very unusual thing. Would you, would you agree with that? Very unusual thing that God was doing. But it's very clear from the text that it was God doing it, that it was the work of God, that it was divine intervention on behalf of those who were sick and on behalf of those who needed a touch from God and who needed healing. I would say this morning that there are many, many people, as a matter of fact, I would say all of us here today, we need a touch from heaven. Some need a touch from heaven for salvation. And can I remind us this morning that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is not a work of man, it's a work of God. Salvation can only come through the work of God. And salvation is eternal because it is the work of God. And thank God for that. There are some here in this building, no doubt we have need of revival. We have need of a heavenly touch upon our hearts and upon our lives to heal what is wrong in, in them. Amen? And uh, we need that touch. And so I would say we all uh, would stand in need of a divine intervention in our lives. Some of us have children that are wayward. Some have grandchildren that are away from God. Some have uh, friends and neighbors, maybe a spouse that's away from God. And you've done all that you can do, and you know that what you can do is not enough. You need God to intervene and to work and to move. For too long, I believe, our churches and Christians in particular, we have leaned upon the arm of flesh. And that's why we're failing. That's why we're seeing a great... Uh, a great exodus from the churches in these days because we have leaned upon the arm of flesh too long. And now God is allowing things and circumstances, I believe, in our nation to bring us to a realization once again of how much we need Him. Dead religion will not cut it. Amen? We need a work from the Lord and a move from the Lord. And so here in these days... and. We don't know when this began, and we don't know when it ended. But the Bible says, for a certain season, in verse number 4, an angel went down at a certain season into the pool. Now, what did he do when he was there? He troubled the water. I believe, that, uh, I believe in this King James Bible. I am a firm believer that God preserved his word in the English language in the King James Version. And, uh, and, and so when I see a word in the Bible uh, that, that I think, oh, that's strange, I don't think, well, maybe it should be changed. Amen. I think, well, maybe I should get some understanding from the Lord. And, uh, uh, and so he uses the word troubled here, and I believe it's a, it's a very descriptive word that the Lord uses, uses here. He's coming down to this pool, and, uh, and this pool probably... Uh, was very calm. But then when this angel comes down, he stirs the water, he troubles the water. You know, I believe this week we may need some troubling. I believe our nation is experiencing some troubling times. And we may, listen, none of us like trouble. We, we don't welcome trouble. 
But can I say this morning, if the troubling is a precursor of God working and healing our land and healing our homes and healing our churches, then bring on the trouble. We need trouble at times because we get at rest and we get complacent. We get comfortable with the way things are and we forget our condition. We forget our condition. You know, you can have a real serious condition and they can medically treat the symptoms of that condition and never get to the root cause of the problem. They haven't helped you at all. All they've done is make you comfortable while the trouble continues. And listen, you know what God, I believe, is doing in these days? He's removing us from our comfort zone so that we'll recognize how desperately we need him. He comes down, he troubles the water. And the ones who are cognizant and aware of the work of God, those are the ones who get help. Now listen, if something unusual is happening, it will draw a crowd. Amen? Uh, one of the things, we, we hope to have the tent up this week, and one, one of the reasons is because, not because we like sitting out in the heat, and, uh, you know, the tent meetings are death on instruments. I mean, it's tough on instruments. But I still like tent meetings. You know why? It's unusual. And the, and the, and the, the community says, what's going on over there? And draws a crowd. The unusual things draw a crowd. Now, the Lord didn't allow us to have a tent this week, but that's all right. The Lord knows. We don't need a tent. We need God. And so uh, something unusual will draw a crowd. There's a crowd around because something unusual is happening. But you know, you can be in the midst of something unusual happening and not recognize the presence of God. I know this by experience. I grew up in church. I went to church every time the doors were open. Sometimes we open the doors. Amen? Every time. Been in church all my life. You know, there, there came a point in time, there, there'd be some services that I was in, and it was very evident that something unusual was happening. It wasn't just the run-of-the-mill service. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? But we know when, when the Bible says, Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. We know that to be true. But we're not always aware of his presence. Jacob said, behold, uh, surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. Many times that's our condition. We, we gather together. We know the Lord's here, but his presence sometimes manifests. He manifests his presence in such a way that we know something unusual is happening. Now, I remember as a child sitting in some of those services, and I'd be looking around, and I'd see tears on this one's face. I'd see this one with a hand in the air. I'd see people on the altar. And it wasn't choreographed. It wasn't, uh, okay, now, now's the time we all raise our hands. Okay, put your hands down. Okay, turn on the waterworks. No, it wasn't that. It was something supernatural. And I remember sitting there looking and seeing the evidence of that, 
but not really understanding what it was all about. I knew God was working, but there's nothing going on in here. I got saved on August 10th, 1995. After that, I understood what it was all about. Because after that, I was born again. And I had a connection with the spiritual realm that I never had before because I had a spiritual birth. The physical realm you're connected with because you have a physical birth. But there's a spiritual realm that you need a spiritual birth to get connected to. And on August 10th, 1995, I got born again. Born of the Spirit with life from above. And now, ever since then, before that time I'd get in services and, and something unusual was happening, I was uncomfortable. But since that time, I long for those services. I long for those moments. It might be in a congregation. It might be in personal fellowship with God. It might be me and my family just gathered around and God meet with us and speak to us in some way. But I desire his presence. I desire for his presence to be manifested in my heart and in my life and in my family. And when we gather together uh, in God's name in church houses all across this land, I want God to show up. Stir us, Lord. Trouble us if need be. Move us. May I have the good sense to get in the water when the water's stirred. You know, as I think about salvation, this is the introduction. I'm trying to get to the message. As I think about salvation, I think about this. Many people in error believe that they'll just get saved whenever they want to. All these people were gathered at this pool for one reason, to get healed. Maybe some had more faith than others, but they were all there for one reason, to be healed. But they couldn't just jump in the pool anytime they wanted to and expect to be healed. Come on. Here's what we think. We think salvation because we lose fact that we lose uh, we lose vision of the fact that salvation is of the Lord. We start thinking, well, all I've got to do is pray this prayer. Let me tell you something. Salvation is not in a prayer that you pray. Salvation is not in you agreeing to a list of facts about God and about yourself. Salvation is a new birth. You didn't have anything to do with your first birth. You weren't born by your strength or your power. You were born by, the, by, by virtue of your parents and God blessing them with you. And you don't, listen, your power does not make you born again. You don't make yourself born again. Salvation is a divine work of the Lord. Now, it's, it's very clear in Scripture. It comes through faith and repentance. You repent of your sin 
and you trust the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the moment of salvation. But God's got to bring you to the point in your life where you realize that you are lost and that you need that salvation. It's the Spirit of God that brings conviction to our hearts and brings us to a point of realization that we are lost. I told you I was going to give you three words. Here they are. Number one, I want you to see in verse number four, the Bible says, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. What's that next word? Whosoever. Then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole. The first word I want us to see tonight is the word whosoever. I'm glad that anybody can be saved. It does not matter where, uh, uh, where, where, you, where you were born. It does not matter your social status in life. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. It does, it's not based upon your education or lack thereof. It's not based on your skin color, your hair color, your eye color. Amen? Amen? Salvation is for whosoever. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm so glad for that. Amen? There's not a certain, uh, a certain list of things that you have to meet, a criteria that you have to attain or that you have to be in order to have salvation. Christ died for the sins of the world. The Bible says that God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If you have to have a dictionary to understand what the word all means, you're in sad shape. Amen? The gospel is open to all. It's open to whosoever. God says it so many different ways, it's hard to miss in the scripture. If you miss this, it's because you're looking to miss it. Salvation is for you, and for you, and for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, everyone, and me. Thank God Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. There is one criteria. You have to be a sinner. You have to be a sinner. Now, that's, all, that's, that's bad news and good news all wrapped together. Amen? The bad news is you're a sinner. The good news is you're a sinner. Amen? Because Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know what he told those Pharisees who were self-righteous and did not see themselves as sinners? He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, as long as you're wrapped up in your self-worth, and your self-righteousness, and the good deeds that you've done, you can never be saved. You're going to have to turn from your sin, turn from yourself, turn from whatever you're trusting, and trust Jesus Christ 100% for the salvation of your soul. And if you'll do that, he'll save you. Amen? God's guarantee, whosoever, every tongue, every nation, Every people can be saved. 
It did not matter as they, they gathered around that pool, all those people around that pool. It didn't matter if it was a man or a woman, a boy or a girl. It didn't matter uh, where, where, what their background was. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if they were a Jew or a Gentile. The Bible says whosoever got in that pool when the water was stirred was made whole. Now, the second word I want us to see, not only whosoever, but look again in verse number 4. The Bible says, Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now, I, I don't know what I'm more glad of, the whosoever or the whatsoever. But I do know this. I'm thankful that Jesus' blood cleanseth us from all sin. It does not matter what you have done. It doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus can save you. Jesus can cleanse you. Jesus can change you. And by the way, if he ever saves you, he'll change you. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, not will be, he is a new creature. That's the new birth. And he says beyond that, it's not just being born again. He says he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. We use that expression, passed away, in reference to death. And we know that when we're saved, the old man is crucified with the affections of life, lust with Christ. As far as God is concerned, when you get saved, you're as holy and pure as Jesus himself. That's hard to explain. I can't explain it, but I will receive it. Amen? He said, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. We get that old things passed away, all things become new. Don't forget that word behold in the middle. Because behold means you can see it. It means to look. And when the Lord moves in, He makes a visual change. You'll be able to see the change that God makes in a life. That may take some time. It does take time. The Bible says we're changed from glory to glory as we behold the image of, of Christ. That's why it's important for us to get our eyes on the Lord. Because as we look to the Lord, not look to each other, that's the wrong standard. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing what he does, and I'm not doing what she does. I must not be saved. That's not the standard. The, the, the Lord is our goal. As we look at him, he makes the changes in us, little by little. Thank God for that. It doesn't matter what you've done. You know what David was? He was a murderer and an adulterer. He covered up his sin. He paid for it dearly in his family. And God still loved him. And God still used him. That'll hair lip a bunch of Pharisees. God still used him. God still blessed him. God still saved him. And he said, that's a man after my own heart. Isn't that amazing? 
Only the grace of God can accomplish that. Thank God for his grace. It's for whosoever. It, it, it's for whatsoever. I'm glad we have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. But, that's a heavenly conjunction, amen? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Thank God for that salvation. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. Now, there's a third word I want to bring to your attention. And I said I'm going to preach these three words from this text, but this third word is actually not in the text. I'm not adding to the word. Amen. But I believe it's significant in the fact that it's not there. Say, so what do you mean? I mean this. He says, whosoever. He says, whatsoever. But what you will not find is whensoever. Thank God the gospel is a whosoever gospel. Thank God it's a whatsoever gospel. But it is not a whensoever gospel. You know what the Bible says? Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. You know what that intimates to us? There's going to be a time when you may seek the Lord and he's not found. I understand this is not what we are used to hearing in, in modern day Christianity. See, modern day Christianity has God in a genie, as a genie in a bottle that you rub and you get him to come out and do whatever you want him to do at your convenience. That's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of history. That's not the God who is real. That's a God of your own making. Men all through history have been making up gods of their own making. The works of their hands, the works of their minds. And in Psalm 50, the Lord says this. He said, thou thoughtest that I was altogether like unto you. That's man's problem. We think God is like us, but he's not. As, his, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. God is not a man, the Bible says. That doesn't mean he's a woman, amen? It just simply means he's not like us. We're created in his image, but he's not created in our image. Say, so what do you mean, preacher? I mean the God of the Bible is not the God that's being preached in many places today. He's not a good luck charm. He's not at our beck and call. He does the calling, and we do the coming. The way he had this set up, that pool of Bethesda, he said, I'll send an angel down at my time, at my bidding. He'll stir the waters. You'll get in my way or you won't be cleansed. That's the God of the Bible. Now, here's what's interesting about this story. What's interesting about this story is this man that the story centers around was not able to get in the water. He was unable to get himself to the pool. 
The Bible tells us in verse number 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. You know what he's saying? Sir, I don't even think he knew who Jesus was. He just addressed him as sir. He said, sir, I'd get in the water if I could, but I can't. I'm trying. That's why I'm here. And, and I'm paying attention. I'm seeing when the water is stirred. And I want to get in, but I haven't been able to get in because I've got no man here to help me get in. Now listen, as sinners, each and every one of us, we have a sinful condition. We, we, have, we have a sickness of our soul called sin. Maybe you've seen others get in. You thought, oh, I wish I could get in. But I'm not able to get in. I, I have nobody to get me into that pool. You know what the Lord said to him? Rise. Take up your bed and walk. You know what he's saying to him? You don't need the pool. You need me. Jesus healed him. He didn't even get in the pool. You know why? The pool... The angel, the, 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 uh, all of the things surrounding that unusual happening, you know what they were? They were just pictures. They were just types. They were just tokens of what the people really needed. See, a lot of people think they need the pool. A lot of people think they need something unusual. They need a bolt of lightning from heaven. I remember uh, witnessing to a young fellow one time. We were on the beach late at night. I, w I was friends with a guy. He liked to go fishing. And I wasn't a fisherman, but I liked going out to the beach. And so it was late at night. He's out fishing. I'm standing on the shore. He's fishing off a pier. And there's this couple there from Germany, young couple from Germany. They spoke in broken English. And I got to talking about, to them about the Lord. They asked me, what are you doing out here? I said, well, my friend's fishing. I said, I'm fishing too, but not for fish. What do you mean by that? I said, I'm fishing for souls. Said, what, is it, what does that mean? So I started giving them the gospel. And he said, they were atheists. They didn't believe in God. And he made this statement. He said, if God would just do something miraculous, I would believe in him. He said, for instance, if he'd, take a, if he'd pick up this, this palm tree and just uproot it and throw it out in the water, I would believe that it was God if he would do it right now. And I said, no, no, you wouldn't. You would want something else after that. But I, I told him, I said, God's already done something miraculous. He's already done something miraculous. He sent his son who was holy and righteous and above reproach and, 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 and harmless 
He sent him to die on the cross for your sins. You know, that, that young fella, he didn't need to see God do something unusual. He needed to receive what God had already done. You know, the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, verse 11 says, He came into his own, his own received him not. But, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. See, salvation is not receiving a list of facts. Salvation is receiving Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's very simple. You know, in that verse I just quoted, it's all single-syllable words. People say the Bible is too hard, hard to understand. A whole verse, the gospel wrapped up in one verse of single syllables. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath, the, hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's that simple. It's not about the pool. It's not about the church building. It's not about the preacher. It's all about Jesus. I've got, my, I've got my, my baptismal certificate. I've got my church membership. I've got my giving record. You've got all of those things. Do you have Jesus? Because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Let me tell you this. If you don't have Jesus, you know what you still have? That sickness. Because nothing else will cleanse you. Nothing else will make you whole. Jesus. Do you have Jesus? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Dear God, our prayer is that everyone in this room, everyone on this property, knows Jesus as their own personal Savior and has received him. God, I believe with all my heart you laid this message on my heart this morning. And so I believe that there's one, there may be more than one, who are here today. They've got religion, but they don't have you. Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, would you draw them today? Save them by your grace. Maybe someone in here today, they're struggling because they are not sure where they stand with you. They're not certain that they have eternal life. God, we know that your word says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. God, you want us to know, you want us to be certain so that we can tell others. God, I pray that you would do that work of someone here unsure today. Make it so clear to them where they stand in reference to Jesus. May they get that settled. And then, Lord, as your people, I'm sure there's many in this room 
probably the majority that know you as Savior. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand that when we give the gospel, it's more than just giving a list of facts. We need the Spirit of God to fill us and empower us to get the gospel to lost souls. Lord, whatever we stand in need of this morning, God, I pray that we'd be obedient to your spirit and respond. In Jesus' name I pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.